To begin thinking about today's reading from Mark, I am going to retell a story I heard many years ago in a sermon. It went something like this. Charlie dies and goes to meet St Peter at the Pearly Gates. Charlie, during his lifetime, has not been a perfect saint, but he hasn't done anything too bad either. But first and foremost, Charlie believes in Jesus and the promise of salvation through the cross of Christ. So when he reaches the Pearly Gates, St Peter welcomes him to heaven. But Charlie, who has always been a curious kind of person, says to St Peter, I knew I would be welcomed into the heavenly banquet, but I would love to see what the other place looks like. Come with me, says St Peter. When Charlie gets a peek at the other place, the place some call hell, he is at first confused. He sees an amazing banquet, loaded with an abundance of good things, but then he notices that the people seated at the table are looking miserable, malnourished, almost skeletal. Why are they so sad? he asks St Peter. There is only one rule at this banquet, he answers. You must use the cutlery. Charlie then notices that all the knives and forks and spoons are about six feet long. When one of the guests tries to pick up some food, it is impossible to bring the cutlery to their mouth. Charlie is saddened by this glimpse of the other place and tells St Peter he is ready to go and join the heavenly banquet. When Charlie sees the heavenly banquet table, he again sees an abundance of good things, but then he is shocked to see the same six-foot-long cutlery. Except at this table, the guests are full of life and joy. Does the same rule about having to use the cutlery apply here too, asks Charlie? Yes, indeed it does, states St Peter. Charlie takes his place at the table and looks across at the guest opposite him. The other guest welcomes him with a smile, but Charlie gets the feeling that they are a little bit hungry because they are lovingly looking at the potato salad. Without a second thought, Charlie picks up one of the six-foot spoons, scoops up some of the delicious potato salad, and gently and carefully puts the spoon to the other guest's mouth. The other guest savours the fine food and then says, Mmm, thank you, my brother. Now what can I get for you? All the guests at the heavenly banquet in this parable-like story, including the newbie, Charlie, had heard and understood exactly what Jesus meant when he said that true greatness comes when we place ourselves last and become the servant of all. This way of being, this attitude of self-sacrificing love and compassion, is the foundation of God's kingdom, and it results in peace, harmony and joy. Or as James puts it in today's epistle reading, a harvest of righteousness. Sadly, this is not the way of the world. James tells us that the way of the world leads to disorder and wickedness of every kind. Why? Because people are so full of bitter envy and self-ambition. The need to be great in our focus on our own selfish ambition can be seen at all levels of society, amongst friends, within families, in organisations, in workplaces, and even on a national level. 
We have heard over the last few years slogans that suggest we need to make our nations great again. What does that even mean? And more importantly, what would that mean if we took Jesus' words to heart? Would we still see billions upon billions of dollars spent on weapons of war? Or would we instead focus on the needs of our neighbours around the world facing extreme poverty, exploitation or the effects of climate change? In contrast to the way of the world, the way of Jesus turns everything upside down. Last week, we heard Jesus tell us that in order to follow him, we must deny ourselves, or in other words, forget ourselves, put ourselves last. This week, Jesus expands on that when he corrects his disciples' faulty and very human way of thinking. Once again, in this reading, the disciples stuff up. For the second time, they misunderstand Jesus' prediction about his death and resurrection. And then they argue over who is the greatest disciple. Last week, we saw fear and a lack of wisdom as human failings. This week, we see another human trait rear its ugly head. The need to be someone. The need to be noticed. To be admired. And to be seen as great in the eyes of others. We can reverse this trait and turn it upside down if we see ourselves through the eyes of our loving God. Over the next paragraph, I'm going to mention some Bible verses, or at least in the written text below, I have the Bible verse in brackets. So I invite you, perhaps at a later stage, to get your Bible out, which you should be doing very often, and just have a look at the verses. Now the scriptures tell us, that while we were still sinners, God in Christ died for us. This means that God loves us and reaches out to us just as we are. We do not need to prove ourselves as great or lovable to God. We are simply loved. When we feel as if we should be something, we need to remember that we are each uniquely gifted and wonderfully made by God. When we feel the need to be noticed and admired, We are reminded in the scriptures that God is the one who sees our true worth and we are also encouraged to do good deeds for goodness sake alone, not for acclaim or applause from others. In today's reading and right throughout Mark's Gospel, the disciples fail to understand the upside down vision of a righteous world in which the first are to be last in the service of others. The disciples just don't see it, but they will when the apparent failure of Jesus in his tragic death on the cross becomes the greatest victory of all time, the victory over sin and death. The disciples will come to understand what it means to put others first, Because in Jesus we all see the only person who was and is truly great give up everything for the sake of others, indeed for the sake of the whole world. Amen. The following hymn is The Servant King.